coming up. What an excellent day for a resurrection. folks, and welcome to another episode of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. Ah, oh, it feels so good to say that. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And yes, we will be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Just not today. Just not today. Uh, what do you mean, not today? Well, we got to review the requel. Uh, but, but do we, Keenan? Do we really? Yes, we do. Okay, fine. <laughs> I watched so, it opening weekend. You've been putting hmm, it off. <laughs> I really know. At, well, you know what they say about abstinence, Keenan. <laughs> what, what do they say about abstinence? It, 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 it makes my heart grow fonder. <laughs> yeah. Okay, folks, you might notice that this is also a bonus episode. This is sort of a, a catching up and an easing back in, if you will. A lot of stuff has happened since last we were in here with Reagan, Marin, Chris, Sharon, Karis, Kinderman, Mama Karis, Uncle Tidosh, Father Dyer, Carl, Willie, Burke Dennings. Bye, Burke. Bye, Burke. Dr. Tanny, Dr. Klein, Captain Howdy, Jesuit Dean, Vinnie Russell, and our beloved Horseman. Mm -hmm. So much has happened since our last movie episode. For one, we had a historic double strike. The Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA both went on strike in order to secure a fair deal for writers and actors everywhere, and we stood with them, pausing our movie episodes for the duration of the strike. Another thing that happened was that we lost our beloved director, William Friedkin. Yeah, one of our listeners pointed out that uh, several times they've listened to a Movies by Minute film is when that director died, whenever there was a new <laughs> a new without. So perhaps it's the curse, and perhaps we brought that upon Billy Friedkin himself. But, oh, goodness. Uh, uh, yeah, as often happens when somebody uh, passes away after, you know, he, he was still working, right? He was still making movies. In fact, his mm -hmm. um, his last film, a version of the Kane Mutiny, just came out this year. Right. Yeah, but but what happens a lot of times when we have a director who passes away, say, decades after the height of their uh, their popularity and the height of mm -hmm. their influence, mm -hmm. um, you know, people come out of the woodwork and they start looking at their work again. Like, oh, yeah, we lost somebody major. Yeah. So, yeah, Friedkin was a major, major director that people mm -hmm. took for granted, I think, for the past Oh, 30 years, but he was making excellent mm -hmm. films into the 90s and 2000s. Um, yeah. And people are finding those now and uh, looking at even the really interesting, um, you know, interesting failures from his career of movies mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. were box office bombs. But now you look at them and you're like, wow, this has some interesting uh, corollaries to The Exorcist and yeah. um, The Wages of Fear and The French Connection and Cruising and more famous movies of his. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, folks, as much as I, I joked on the show about mm, his, his questionable methods, um, we cannot overlook his legacy and his contribution to film and to the culture at large. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing that happened is the new movie came out. Yay! Yay! Yes, folks, the long-awaited mm, requel... You got some uh, requel music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that it's just, would be. It's just, it's, it, you know what it is? It's boobular tells. <laughs> It's no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what? It's it's very epic. It's you know, this is this is a battle of good and evil. This is the beginning. We're taking you all the way back to ancient Rome. No, no. Anyway. Uh, so I am speaking, of course, of the Exorcist Believer. And that's what we're gonna dedicate the second half of this episode to. We both saw it. We have some things to say about it, and by God, we're gonna say them. Um, but first, just a couple announcements, a little housekeeping with Willie and Carl. 
Carl. They're in here with us in the studio now. And actually, I only see Willie. Where's Carl? Oh, there he is coming out of the bathroom. Carl, were you in the studio bathroom the whole the whole time? The whole time? The whole time. Keenan, we locked up and we went to our bonus studio. We had no idea. Carl, you could have called. Oh, wait, wait. Actually, hang on. Oh, yeah. 118 unread messages from Carl. Ooh, sorry about that, Carl. Willie, why didn't you? Oh, oh, you, you liked the peace and quiet. Okay, yeah. Actually, Willie, you, you're you're practically glowing. Both of you seem seem younger. Uh, is like maybe maybe a vacation is is what we all needed. Okay, now get back to work. Um, yeah, but oh, okay. Yeah, let's yeah. let's I, throw some glasses on the floor of the kitchen just to keep him on their toes. Just <laughs> to, to welcome him back. It's the good old days. Some glasses of alcohol just right? smashed against the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, some glass. I thought you were talking like I thought you were making like a Doctor Tanny joke or something. No, like that. I was like, oh, I remember back in the old days when yeah. Burke would pick a fight and smash a. <laughs> full glass of alcohol onto the floor of the kitchen oh still i can i can i can it's it's almost like he's still here i can hear his oh sweet sweet angelic voice um but okay oh yeah so so announcements folks during the strike, we actually had the opportunity to explore a lot of ancillary, non-movie, but still movie-adjacent topics, such as the real-life case of Robbie Doe, the history of the devil. We interviewed our new friend Alex Bledsoe, who's the author of Dandelion, which was mm-hmm. inspired in part by our extra story. Yes. Um, we read the extra-biblical apocryphal text, The Testament of Solomon, and we learned all about how Solomon enlisted the help of 36 or 72 demons to build the first temple of Israel's several times over. And finally, we took a trip to hell with Dante Alighieri and his good buddy Virgil in Dante's Inferno, and we're actually still in there. In hell? Uh, well, in Dante's hell. Or, or at least he and Virgil are, are still there. Right. Um, so Keenan and I were thinking, and, and we were like, we are like, we can't, we can't just, you know, leave them in there. Hmm? Right, like we're, oh, sorry, bonus episodes. <laughs> yeah. Movie like right podcast the... daddy is back. And... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just leave you, just, just have fun in the seventh circle and, right. uh, you know, you're never going to get out. But no. Um, so... Uh, so moving forward, folks, we're going to go back. Um, let me say that. So here is what we're going to do. Moving forward, we're going to go back. That doesn't, as I read that, that makes no sense. Moving forward. <laughs> I think you're trying to do a, a joke. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was doing. And then I forgot about it as I was reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so uh, we're going to go back to uh, two episodes per week. That's Tuesday and Wednesday, like we had before. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is going to be an Exorcist episode. We can now pick that back up. And Wednesday, at least for now, we will be finishing up with Dante's Inferno. Um, now, after this, we could go back to two movie episodes once again, or we could do another bonus thing. I was personally uh, thinking of doing Paradise Lost, but we will leave it up to you guys. So please write in and let us know or message us in our Facebook listener group. Do you want more bonus episodes or do you want to just get back to the meat and potatoes, the movie minutes episodes? Um, I might even make a little poll in the Facebook group once we're nearing the end of Dante. Um, Okay, so speaking of which, we said we had episodes in the can, which we had recorded before the strike. So those are now going to start rolling out. And honestly, I'm kind of curious how different we will sound from then to now. 
folks, I can't remember how many episodes ahead we were before the strike, but, uh, you know, before we stopped recording, but there's going to be a handful of episodes where we don't joke about Solomon or Billy Billiken or Dante fainting. And then folks who haven't listened to the bonus episodes, there's going to be this switch when the timeline syncs up again and suddenly uh, your holy guides are going to be making jokes and references to stuff we've never talked about on the regular episodes. Um, I'm kind of excited for that. Uh, Folks, see if you can guess when the new episodes, the post- (laughs) strike episodes start coming out um we joke about getting silly uh when things get dark and we got really silly in the span of those 118 days i went back and listened to our early episodes about halfway through this uh project and uh, uh-huh. like episodes a minute ones two three etc and i was mm-hmm. like why are we not talking about mrs doubtfire like we have all of these <laughs> mrs doubtfire setups and no mrs doubtfire punchlines and that's because that's not the way linear time works mm-hmm. yes. they say they say the whole time with a straight <laughs> face so many times yeah they're always talking about poppets and drive-by fruitings and they never recognize <laughs> they just don't there's there's gold in them our words <laughs> but yeah for now let's dive back in ah it's so good to be back it's like it's like sinking into a hot tub in the the sixth the six sixth circle of hell with your son's wife's father just <laughs> just sharing a hot tub for all eternity there that that's a that's a bonus reference right there um okay but anyway so so we're talking about the exorcist believer a bloomhouse production directed by david gordon green which hit theaters appropriately on october friday the 13th mm-hmm, actually no I, well, what, what, what do you mean no they moved it to october 6th sixth sixth well Obviously, they did that to to satisfy the beast. Or they didn't want it to clash with the new Taylor Swift movie. So, yeah, David Blum had to put out a statement, yeah, that, that yes, they're moving it because of Taylor Swift's surprise movie that messed up the Exorcist uh, timeline. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> like I said, the beast. <laughs> yes, he tweeted, look what you made me do. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Sheesh. All right. Anyway. Um, but yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about this thing. Keenan, you had seen this thing a little bit before me. A and little you, bit before a little bit, yeah. a opening little bit. weekend. Like it yeah. was my job. Mm. <laughs> I said, I have to see it opening weekend. <laughs> you were, you were as dedicated to seeing this thing mm. as I was to drinking monster energy drink. <laughs> Unleash Taylor Swift. That's right. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, and you you teased mm-hmm. that it talks about a lot of stuff that we talked about, mm-hmm. and so I was intrigued and a little apprehensive. Um, I have just seen the movie, so it is fresh in my mind, and I have a lot to say. And folks, just a warning now, we will be spoiling stuff. Consider this your spoiler wall. Spoiler wall goes up now. Okay. Is everybody here? Well, well, well. Okay. So it's you. They sent you. Folks, enough teasing. Let me let me just give you my opinion. Get that out of the way. This is, I believe, the scariest, creepiest, most heart-palpitating, fear-inducing, scream producing Avengers movie I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but what about uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? I haven't seen either of those. Wait, <laughs> is that one movie? Is that, that's is one that, movie. It's a that's lot one of title okay. for one movie. Well. And there are three or four Avengers in that, I suppose. Okay. Well, Do- you got Doctor Strange. You got uh-huh. America Chavez. You mm-hmm. got the Scarlet Witch and uh-huh. other people you've never heard of. Great. 
Love oh, it. It's got uh, we we put a spoiler wall up. I guess we it's yes, got yes, yes. Patrick Stewart as uh, Professor Xavier. <laughs> it's got ah uh, yes. Okay, okay, <laughs> fine. I'll watch. They, I was I was uh, going on uh, TikTok, mm-hmm. and um, you know now that the strike is over, um, everybody, all the actors can promote their stuff, right? right? Mm-hmm. And Ki Ki Hui Kwan mm-hmm. pops up on my uh, on my little for you page uh, there, and he's like, "I'm so excited to share that I'm part of Loki," and I'm like, "I said out loud, I was like, fine, I will watch Loki. <laughs> I will watch Loki for you, Ki Hui." <laughs> he deserves it. Yes, he does. But no, folks, um, Keenan told me that there'd be a lot of stuff that we have touched upon on this show. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that one of those things was going to be the MCU. Um, <laughs> but no, okay, so actually, Keenan, before I get into it, I am curious because uh-huh. there is a lot of stuff in this movie that, sure that we is. talked about. Yeah. Um, was there anything specifically that popped up where you were like, oh, Lester's going to have something to say about this? Well, certainly the harrowing of hell, which is uh-huh. I learned about that from uh, doing this show, from hearing mm-hmm. from you. And that is yeah. called out specifically in The Exorcist Believer. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also had Praying Deliverance as a different version of yeah. doing exorcism. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was in there. Uh, we have a visit from our old friend, enemy, Lamash, too. Yes. yes. Okay. There we go. Uh-huh. So it was like, oh, wow. And obviously they didn't listen to our show because they had made this no. before our show. But yeah, yeah it's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, so a lot of stuff we've been covering, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost like they uh, they got a time machine and jumped back to the. <laughs> how does uh, how does one go about making an Exorcist movie? Well, it doesn't. It just doesn't happen, Miss McNeil. It's like, I, yeah. I don't I don't follow you. What do you mean? It's like, well, you know, first thing I would do is I would go back to a, a, a get him in a time machine, go back to 1973. <laughs> oh, and I you know, um, and Anne Dowd's ex husband in this is half horse, half man. Oh, well, there we so, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved okay, that that was my like like when I saw Anne Dowd there, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Anne Dowd from uh Hereditary, Hereditary where I knew her best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The moment I saw I was like, don't trust her. <laughs> I was talking to Leslie Odom Jr. I was like, I can help you. I was like, no, no she can't. She Leslie can't Odom do Jr., it. don't. She's 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 already got payment up. Now she's now she's getting Lamash too. That's right. She's bringing she's bringing her own uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe up here. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. It is odd now seeing her as as a heroic character after mm-hmm. Hereditary and The Handmaid's Tale, where she won an Emmy, mm-hmm. and The Leftovers, where she won an Emmy. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yeah, she's she's uh, this rare character actor who, like in her fifties and sixties, has become something of a star of her character mm-hmm. actors. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but as a bad guy. Yeah, but and she's so good at being the like, like having that guise of like the mothering figure of like, mm-hmm. I just want to help you. I just want you know. I was like, no, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> this is gonna end badly. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so yeah, folks, like I'm I'm watching this thing, and yeah, as as Keenan pointed out, we got Lamash too. We okay, um, Keenan, you know about how did you how did you know that this was Lamash too though? Uh, the credits say that it's Lamash too. Okay, <laughs> so, see, so. see, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there's a credit for a voice uh, for the Lamashu voice. Yes. Okay. All right. See, I'm 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 in, I'm in my office, folks, and I'm sitting uh, across from my my bookshelf where mm-hmm. the book is and where my little statue of Pazuzu is, and I'm thinking like at least in the first movie they had a statue telling us like this could be Pazuzu, right? And I got my own you know feelings about that. Whatever. We'll talk about that. But like where. Was the Lamashtu hint in this thing? I have tried to look. I said, okay, there's the credits for Lamashtu, and so maybe there's some kind of other Easter egg that I mm. wasn't sure that I haven't seen, but I have not been able to find it if there is. Okay. The only thing I can think, and this is for people who, you know, this is like nerds like us yeah. who know about like Lamashtu's like 
MO, right? Like what she does <laughs> mm-hmm. is, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about like like abortion and mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, babies being in danger, right? right? And children being in danger and things like that, right? And Dowd's character had an abortion and she feels mm-hmm. really guilty about that. And, you know, you have to save the child, uh, you know, versus save the mother and you have to choose. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm thinking it's like, okay, like, but, you know, like tie that in, give give me the Lamashtu name, you know? Like there's right. there was an opportunity because we have, another christian uh uh sect mm-hmm. what, what was it the um you know and he's play, praying deliverance mm-hmm. have him like isn't isn't that the whole thing of that specific flavor of christianity you have to get the demon's name that is what we've learned uh, from our friend alex Bledsoe and other sources yeah that yeah a big thing yeah tell me your name demon yeah so if you're gonna if you're gonna put her put it in the credits if you're gonna if you're gonna put lamashtu in your film like get her get her out there loud and proud right <laughs> so you don't need them to be like this is Lamashu. This is Pazuzu's ex-wife <laughs> and I, all that stuff. You don't want that, I'm imagining, right? <laughs> I, what I'm saying is pickling. <laughs> I was like, do one or the other. Mm-hmm. Like the reason you got Lamashtu, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a reason you got, you chose Lamashtu as your demon. Right. Right. And it's only because of Pazuzu. Yes. So if you're, if you're doing that. Stunt casting. Yes. So if you're doing that, <laughs> then, then say so. Mm-hmm. Right. Or just don't, Call it a day. And okay, that's the other thing. We didn't we didn't even um like this is this is further down in my notes. Uh-huh. But one of the the big like uh, would you say it's like a tease or it's like a mm-hmm. like a publicity thing? It's like, ooh, well, you know, this demon isn't the same demon as in the first movie. Right. Where do we get any indication of that at all? No, because we also want this demon to be able to know things from the first movie once Chris comes in and like to, you know, do what uh, Pazuzu or whoever the demon is in the first movie is and like bring up stuff from her past. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that uh, that argue, <laughs> that has this kind of weird question. So like, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but uh, Ellen Burstyn know... literally says she knows who I am. or We've <laughs> right. met before. So, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, some some you know, some ex-couples uh, are good and they like, you know, they wake <laughs> up and they're fine and they see each other at Christmas like, oh, and they keep track of each other's families, right? And they still, you know, communicate mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But do Lamashu and Pazuzu have that kind of relationship where Pazuzu is defeated <laughs> by Chris McNeil and her family and her friends, you know, the, the priest from the first movie, and then have warned her, warned Lamashu about Chris McNeil? <laughs> is that what's going on? Or maybe does Pazuzu hate Lamashu so much <laughs> that he set her up <laughs> And he's like, hey, you know who's a really, really easy target real is this whole McNeil family. <laughs> or this Fielding family. Sorry, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like, yeah, that, but that, that kind of like, it's like you have Pazuzu for a reason. Just like you have Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil for a reason, right? Well, we know what that reason is. Well, yeah, yeah we know what that reason is. <laughs> Ugh, okay, 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 okay. Anyway, yeah, okay. Getting back on track with my notes here. Um, but no, folks, yeah, so so I'm watching this thing and I cannot help but think this is the problem of Pazuzu all over mm-hmm. again, right? right? Except now it's the problem of Lamash too, right? right? <laughs> but that's all I kept thinking for the first, uh, for the second half of this movie. Uh-huh. The first half, I will say like, like there, there's there's a lot of good things in the first half, but let me let me focus on the second that, half, that's right? That's what and, I think too, though. I think the first half of the movie is not terrible. It's not bad. Hmm. And then it's, once Chris shows up for me, the movie falls apart. It's not just yeah. Ellen Burson. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's they start just making uh, you know storytelling choices that I don't understand. They're unfathomable yes. to me. So the yes. first half, I'm like, okay, this is its own sort of thing. It's a little bit too like, hey, remember the first movie for me for my taste. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. but then when Chris McNeil shows up, that's the, all the movie is. Right. It's just yeah. it's always yeah. like, you remember the first movie? Remember? I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have that's, a that's why I'm here. <laughs> <That's> why- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. 
But yeah, and, and folks, if you haven't heard us talk about the problem of Pazuzu. It's been a minute. It has really been a minute. Um, Keenan, remember when the problem of Pazuzu was the biggest problem we were facing? Mm-hmm. Remember when I was so scared of losing <laughs> listeners by saying that I didn't like the fact that we had this Mesopotamian, non-Judeo-Christian, non-Abrahamic demon uh, in an otherwise very Catholic story. Mm-hmm. Well, that problem is back in full force here. And yeah. I got to tell you, I, I feel somewhat validated. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to say that. Right, right. right. Um, but yeah, folks, like if, if you haven't heard us talk about the problem of Pazuzu, um, and you don't know what the hell I'm rambling on about right now, go back and listen to... I, I know you just got back from watching Believer, but I'm, I'm going I'm to send you away again. <laughs> I can't help it. It's my nature as a teacher to assign homework. Right. Um, go back and listen to Minute 88, What an Excellent Day for Napoleon Bonaparte. And, uh, and I have a whole section in that episode where I talk about how it always bothered me that Pazuzu is not part of the same pantheon as uh, the priests who are, are fighting him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we got this undeniably Catholic movie about faith, where our heroes win through the power of Christ, right? We got we got crucifixes, and communion, and cassocks, and mm-hmm. we got Jesus, and Jesuits, and Joseph medallions, and, and, and Georgetown University. Go Hoyas. Go Hoyas. Um, we, got, we got all these Catholic trappings, but then we got this villain who, if he is who everyone is saying he is, that is Pazuzu, um, what does he know or care about the power of Christ? Right. And so, yeah, um, in, in that episode, I, I put forth that maybe Blatty originally wanted our beloved Captain Howdy to be Legion. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? Legion is in the Bible. He is the demon in the most famous exorcism story, mm-hmm. right? The power of Christ literally compels him. He ends up possessing a bunch of pigs, a, a bunch of sows, mm-hmm. and the pigs kill themselves by running off a cliff into the sea, right? Uh, spoilers Ray- for our movie. Spo- well, spoilers <laughs> for our movie, yeah. Um, and for the Bible, right? If you haven't read that part. Um, Reagan speaks in multiple voices, and in the book, she says, we are quite a little group in the piglet, quite mm-hmm. the stunning little multitude, right? And the name Legion comes up in the book pretty much the same number of times as Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. And Legion is the name of Blatty's sequel book. So and that the, was the, mm. the our book starts with the story of Legion. Yes, exactly. The movie right? doesn't obviously, but yeah, it has a little okay. um, quote from the book of uh, the story of Legion. Yeah. Exactly. And they read Legion's name um, uh, from that passage in the Bible in the actual exorcism, right? right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was my way of squaring that uh, particular circle, right? Mm-hmm. Having it be Legion instead of Pazuzu just made more sense to me, right? Legion has a history with Christ, and it makes sense that in a movie and a book where you're fighting evil through the power of Christ, you have a, you have a demon who knows and fears Christ, mm-hmm. right? Because if it really is Pazuzu, demon king of the southwest wind son of Hanbi, brother of Humbaba, and ex-husband of Lamashtu, who is herself the, so- the, the daughter of the sky god Anu, that means all of them are real as well. And in that episode, I joked about how dumb that would be if all religions were true at the same time. How dumb that would make our two priests look. Mm-hmm. And here we are. I don't know, folks. This, this movie really does make Karis and Merin, you know, two of our heroes, seem inconsequential. Remember when we looked at the title of the first movie, The Exorcist, mm-hmm. right? We had we had fun speculating who The Exorcist really was in The Exorcist, mm-hmm. right? Is it is it Marin? Is it Karis? Same thing with The Godfather, right? Is it Vito Corleone? Is it Michael Corleone, mm-hmm. right? Well, guess what, folks? In The Exorcist Believer, turns out The Exorcist is everybody. <laughs> and not just everybody, folks, anybody. Uh, did you do that backwards? No, I didn't. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Not only is The Exorcist everybody but that collective everybody is made up of just a bunch of anybody's mm-hmm. 
Like, turns out you don't need training. You don't need to be ordained in any way. You don't even need church approval. Like, why did we need Karis and Marin if, if angry trash can neighbor lady <laughs> can stumble through the Roman ritual without any prior knowledge of how exorcism works, mm-hmm. right? What does, what does this exorcism at the end of this movie say about the exorcism in the first movie? Mm-hmm. Right? You watch the first movie and you watch the actual exorcism and you get a sense that this is a battle. This is the battle we have been building up to. These two characters have been, been preparing for this battle for the whole movie. Destiny has put them on this path in opposition to this demon. They are the only ones who are fit enough to fight this battle. And even then, they're having a really hard time mm-hmm. doing it. They can barely do it and it kills both of them. That's right. Marin and this demon have a history, and he goes to his death fighting this demon a second time. For Karis, this demon is his destiny. It is the personification of all of his doubts and all of his fears. They are intertwined both literally and figuratively, and Karis makes the ultimate sacrifice. He takes this demon out by taking it with him to his death. Well, it turns out, guys, um, Marin and Karis were both stupid. And their deaths were stupid. And this whole crisis of faith was pointless because apparently exorcism is just something you can pick up like steps of a dance that you, you learn as you go. And, and, any, and, and nobody has to die. N- none of the heroes, at least. Just, just the person you were trying to save. And the Catholic priest does because fuck that guy, am I right? Mm, yeah, I don't know if I take it that far. I think it is weakened, certainly, that, that like it is this group effort, right? Mm, it's this mm. uh, ecumenical sort of exorcism where it's not that— uh, Explain ecumenical. Like it's like cutting across all the Christian faiths and, and everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like there's like mm-hmm. eth- ecumenical unions or ecumenical um, relationships are about like, yeah, everybody, let's get along. Let's stop fighting each other and mm-hmm. find our, our commonalities. Um, yeah. I think that kind of weakens uh, mm. the— um, idea of like individual character journeys here. We sort of mm-hmm. even lose our main guy, Victor Fielding, right? Leslie Odom's character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I guess our movie thinks it is a, like the exorcist believer thinks it's a problem that Chris is not an exorcist in the original movie. Yeah, that, I got that sense as well. Yeah, yeah that like, oh, what, what a weird thing. Like, we have to fix that. Like, Chris is left out of that room, and, like, it's not her praying that gets her daughter saved, you know? And so they're trying to fix that here, and so that becomes the big arc is that Victor has to be, has to participate in this big group exorcism from mm-hmm. Catholics and, yeah, laity, as you're saying, and mm-hmm. Protestants, a couple of different Protestants, and mm-hmm. then um, Dr. Beehive, who is, like, uh, Christian but also uses some of her, like, native um, Caribbean uh, religions, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. so they, mm-hmm. they all, all of them are right, nobody's wrong, and mm-hmm. we need the power of uh, Victor, the main character's prayer, for this to really work. Right, yeah. It, like, and you were, you were saying that, like, like so, so you said, like, like it, it, it bothered them that, that Chris was not in the room there, it, that she was not performing the exorcism herself. It's, in 1973, it, yeah. In 1973, and it felt like, like she did not, uh, she was not the one who saved her daughter. But, like, mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know, like, were we watching a different movie? Because <laughs> she is the one who saves Reagan. Yes, you, you get that sense. You, they bring it up a couple times. They ask, how come you weren't in the room? Or how did you, how do you know so much about exorcism when you weren't in the mm-hmm. room? And then mm-hmm, she, mm-hmm. she seems to be participating in the exorcism of the two girls in Believer from mm-hmm. her hospital room across town. Yes, yes. But what I'm saying is, like, like the, the, the message of mm-hmm. the first movie and the first book is that without Chris— right. The, the the two priests wouldn't be there. Absolutely. She puts, so she is, the like, she did, like, put all of those things in motion. She helped save Reagan and she helped save Damien. Yes. Absolutely, right? So they're all saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need but all it's of like, them. It's like, this isn't good enough. And see, right. and that's an example of working together 
a, a better way. <laughs> right, right, right. Right? Like, I'm going to stick to what I do, which is, like, caring for my daughter and mm-hmm. being, you know, this this strong character mm-hmm. and not, like, jumping into your lane, Father Marin. Here, mm-hmm. give me that give me that cassock. I'll, I'm going to take care of this. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Hmm. But, yeah. Um, so, and, and, okay, so that's another thing that this movie seems to enjoy doing, right? As much as it sort of, like, discounts and erases the import of the first film, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, it does a lot of nods and winks to the first film. Mm-hmm. I think you were you were um, alluding to that before, right. Kenan. Um, like, it's, like, it's desperately trying to remind us that this is connected to the film that we love so much. Like, hey, remember, remember this from mm-hmm. the first remo- film? Remember this, right? That's a requel, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, the film opens up with dogs fighting, right? Yeah, I was, and, I was fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I like that. I like that. See, the first, the first couple ones, I'm like, oh, okay, no, I like these. Fine, like, you know, <laughs> Lydia Jewett's character, Angela, right? Like one of the girls, she steals a sausage, like a little breakfast mm-hmm. item, and gets chased by dad, same as how Reagan stole the cookie, mm-hmm. right? You know, and these are like, it's like, this is a nice little callback. This is a nice little um, hom- homage, homage. Epitome. A Maggie. Epitome. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's not It's not like stopping the movie and going like, remember right. this? Or really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? It's it's nice little, like, and, and it's just subtle enough to where, like, you could, you could see that by itself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Angela and her dad, that little thing that they do mm-hmm. with the, you know, the running around and being yeah. chased, that can be, you can enjoy that without ever seeing the first movie. Exactly, yes. You can be like, that is a really good character beat for mm-hmm. these two characters, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Same thing with the dogs fighting. It's like, that's a really good mm-hmm. image. That's a really good visual, right? I don't need the knowledge of the first film to appreciate this, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's good by itself, right? Right. But then as the movie continues, the callbacks, they sort of start to get snotty mm-hmm. and even a little bit mean, mm-hmm. like almost to the point of being like these satirical jabs. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, the demon is mocking Ann Dowd's character and it's like, oh, did the power of Christ compel you mm-hmm. like david gordon green do you hate the first movie <laughs> like why are you why, why are these little pokes these little no, jabs everybody who's like... making this movie loves the first movie which is <laughs> which is why yeah yeah i i hear you that's why it's, it's so odd to me that uh yeah that they're doing like um little jokey things like that that feel like it's like like repossessed the parody uh with linda right. blair yeah um that I'm not sure why we need that. And, yeah. you know, again, like, I think we were both kind of in agreement and a couple of my friends just said the same thing. Like the first half before Chris shows up is uh, mm-hmm. perfectly reasonable, low key. Like it's in the same genre of the exorcist without like, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, Hey, remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And it, perf- it works a- perfectly fine. Yeah. Or it could work fine as like, like um, a, um, like a, a, a missing child, like true crime, mm-hmm drama thing that I was invested in. I was yeah. like that because that is one of the scariest things is like, oh, sure. you know, is 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 losing your like someone you love and not knowing where they are. Like that, you know, I was, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. Like like waiting's yeah. like, oh my God, like where are they? Like what's what's gonna happen? And right? they have this interesting dynamic where now it's two families who are missing their daughter at the same time and these families don't get along. But right. they're not they're they're not so like stereotypically SNLs get divided where they can't work together, right? They're like they have different ideas about what to do about this, but but that's part of the drama of this, right? Yeah. Um, that all works fine for me when it when it becomes yeah. that they're possessed and they're demons, and then we're getting like you have to bring your faith and I bring my faith, and we just have to agree to get, disagree. I, 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 mm-hmm. you know, I think mm-hmm. that sounds like that's nonsense. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that's trying to that's trying to satisfy everybody in the audience and then satisfy mm-hmm. nobody. Mm-hmm. Yes, that that and that's the thing. Like when you try to satisfy everyone, you're right. going to end up making everybody upset. Right. Like yeah. Um. But actually, okay. So so you you um make a really good point here, Keenan, about like how these two families like don't seem to get along. Mm-hmm. But you had said something to me um a while 
back, like when we were when we were like still in uh, high school, talking, mm-hmm. you know, you know, acting and everything yep. like that. And you said there are no wrong choices, right. only stronger choices. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, my and, colleague at, at my school says that there are deeper choices. Oh, okay. Like well, there you too. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, stronger or deeper choices, yeah. uh, and to the point of like this, these two families, like seeming not to get along like you get that you get that when they're at the police station it's like oh yeah i guess right. they don't you know they don't they don't they really wouldn't know go hang out yeah and get beers with each other right yeah but that's like the first instance where you're like oh yeah i guess i guess that's that's a plot point that mm-hmm. they don't get along right would you have liked to see it like a little bit more fleshed out like that this family and this family are are like not on good terms or uh no i think i think it's really accurate that like basically they never they never get they never want to hang out with each other just because of the kind of assumptions that you make about people of different religious and like political backgrounds and like different races mm-hmm. right like yeah, that feels yeah. real to me for like a 21st century film of like mm. i'm a black liberal family i don't have faith and then i know that my daughter's friend's family is a white you know christian protestant maybe evangelical uh conservative family and so like mm-hmm. okay we're gonna we're gonna do drop-offs and sleepovers and that kind of thing but you know i don't need to i don't want to even try to start to have a friendship with them because it's like you know scary and uncomfortable yeah and yeah. then you add like yeah missing persons cases but that's that's interesting Right. Um, okay. So as I was watching this, I was sort of wondering who this movie was for. What like, a good like, question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> was that, is this a good question, Professor Keenan? That's a very, very good question. Did I hit the nail on the head? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because like we're we're assuming that your audience is going to be mm-hmm. mainly comprised of fans of The Exorcist. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like certainly there's, you know, there's a lot of fan service. Like, mm-hmm. we, you know, it's like, hey, remember this? Remember right. this? Right. Um, and it's like, OK, it's like, hey, I really want you to be reminded of the first film while watching this one. But also I'm going to make fun of it sometimes. I'm going to do some little jabs and little, you know, like little, uh, you know, smirks and nods and stuff like yeah, that. I guess so. Um, yeah. Uh, but then, okay, like like we're talking about who this movie is for, mm-hmm. right? I think the reintroduction of Chris McNeil mm-hmm. is a clue. Like, you want us to be excited about that, sure. right? Like, oh my God, it's Chris McNeil, right? Mm-hmm. From the first movie. And not only that, but it is Ellen Burstyn, mm-hmm. right? The legendary Ellen Burstyn playing Chris McNeil again, right. right? You are making a statement with this, right? This isn't like an arbitrary decision, right? She's not an Exorcist 2, and she's not an Exorcist 3, and she's not Ex- in the two Exorcist prequels, right? Right. Or the TV show. Or the TV or, show, know. right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Chris McNeil is, but not, not Ellen Burstyn. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, but Keenan, what did you think of Ellen Burstyn here? Like, what did you think of her being in the movie? What did you think of her, like, her reintroduction of the Chris McNeil character? Yeah, I hate to be that kind of fan, that kind of geek who's so familiar with the original, but this is, this is hashtag not my Chris for sure. Like, mm. they, they, they have, um, I don't recognize this character. Um, okay, right. from the from the original version uh this chris is like a kindly old lady mm-hmm, and our mm-hmm. chris is not nice no <laughs> no, no. no no our, our chris in the original is does not care about being nice she doesn't like oh dearie come in here but it feels like a very stereotypical mm-hmm. old lady character and especially like a stereotypical like old wise religious uh, stock figure right um and it's fine I, I so i don't know you're right like i i guess mm-hmm. i could imagine a version of chris who's changed over 50 years okay. right you All know right. I, I can imagine that right maybe she's found faith or what have you or um but she is she is just so helpful <laughs> mm-hmm. so so we have victor leslie odom show up and mm-hmm. he's like, hey, I've broken into your backyard and snuck through <laughs> your back porch <laughs> and knocked on the glass door of your window. Um, uh-huh. And hey, my daughter is is ill. And Chris is like, I have no life outside of helping you. Right. So I'm going to drop my life here and then go across the country 
and yeah. for you, I will wander into haunted houses mm-hmm. upstairs alone as an 80 year old mm-hmm. woman um, yeah. and try to sacrifice myself for the sake of sacrificing mm-hmm. myself. Um, I'm Chris fucking McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's not like Ellen Ripley or something who, who you know, right. who retains her Ellen Ripley-ness, right? This is a, right. This is an entirely different character. Okay, I'm. I am so glad okay. that you that you that 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 you and I are in agreement about this. Okay. But no. But but you you raise this very good point, and I didn't I didn't think um, of of putting it in in those terms, right? Yeah, Chris, the the original, the OG, nineteen seventy three, Chris McNeil was not nice, right? right? She couldn't be. She survived. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 uh, that movie full of those those pompous uh, men, right? By being powerful chris mcneil yeah I, I, who doesn't take shit from anybody and we like her and so this is yes. like this is like very much like how do we make her likable right like mm-hmm. so and so you make her completely useless <laughs> by yes. making her like like useless as a character because like oh, she, she has nothing to learn mm-hmm. she makes no mistakes um mm-hmm. you know she she's a flawless character right yeah she has gone from being like rough and tumble mm-hmm. princess leia from empire yeah. to yoda <laughs> and like and like yoda when it is time or hold on, when time it is to die <laughs> right <laughs> go away i will from story right <laughs> but no that's it like like she like she retains none of okay okay yeah like um i i, I want to get into this a little bit mm-hmm. later firstly um did you hear about how and why Ellen Burstyn agreed to do this? Yeah, money. Yeah, well, yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> she's been very clear about that. You've read the yes. uh, yeah, you've read what she yes, said about yes. it. She's very clear. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. But uh, there's there's a little bit more to it. Come to find. Um. So so this is this is from an article in the Playlist, mm-hmm. written by Ned Booth, October fifth of this year, and he is referencing an interview in the Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. So this is what Ellen Burstyn says in that interview. She says, "You know what happened was I've turned down many versions of quote The Exorcist two. Burstyn told the Hollywood Reporter, "I've said no every time." This time, they offered me a whole bunch of money, and I still said no. And then they surprised me, and they came back and said, we doubled the offer. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, let me think about this. I thought, that's a lot of money. Let me think about it. Mm -hmm. The next thought that came to my mind was, I feel like the devil is asking my price. (laughs) She continued. And the next thought that came to my mind was, my price is a scholarship program for talented students at our master's degree program at Pace University. That's my price. Mm-hmm. So then I went back and upped there up and ended up getting what I want. And I've got a scholarship program for young actors. Mm-hmm. And so, so Keenan, more according- than double her, what they have been offering her. They So they yes. went up from any th- anytime they've offered her for extras two, where she said no, and they replaced her character with Sharon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and any of the other ones. So they got some, some, outstanding amount of money that she said was outstanding and she still said no mm-hmm. they doubled it and then they went up from there yes so, right yeah. but keenan according to this mm-hmm. article in the playlist burston essentially received no pay right for the exorcist believer and used her entire salary to set up this scholarship program yep. at pace it's uh, right yeah it's uh altruistic capitalism yeah <laughs> yes right so so we joke about like oh it's all for money but it's like she she didn't get any of that money she yes, used it but she didn't do for... it because she had something to say about chris mcneil and where she was 50 years ago true yes, true yes, so so no you know no complaints about ellen burston here mm, but, no, but no, no, the no. character of chris mcneil as they've written her um doesn't give ellen burston a lot of stuff to do and they make her look yeah. kind of like an idiot like a total mm. total idiot I swear to God, Keenan, like the, the, I mean, you know, people are talking about the writing in this thing, mm-hmm. 
but I like the, the the lines that every single time just get me are let me see like I have them I have them written down oh. hang on okay first one she knows who I am mm-hmm. but everybody knows who she is because this version of Chris McNeil is you're Chris fucking McNeil <laughs> so that that's a problem I have that that just a logic thing yeah yeah so again the movie for me goes goes crazy when Chris shows up mm-hmm. um it is the the retconny where they're trying to like like keep this continuity which I find you know i i'm not a fan of that kind of thing i don't care mm. um at the end of revenge of the sith when we see wookies and I, i'm not one of those people who's like oh that's where the wookies were like i don't care i really really don't care where the wookies have been <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing that kind of thing which i guess for some people really excites them but then mm-hmm. but then they also just start making decisions that that make our characters like dumb <laughs> like, mm. like they make decisions i don't understand um so the biggest thing for me so is imagine that there is a world uh-huh. Where Ellen Burson is like a Shirley MacLaine level star in the seventies. Yes, right. Dinner with the president. Dinner and all with that. the president and a director, and then two priests died at her house within a month of each other. Mm-hmm. And then in this current continuity, right, she writes a memoir about that, explaining that what happened at her house was that a demon or the devil. Mm-hmm. killed the famous director and these two priests at her house and that she she fixed it yeah and now she has been since 1973 on a tour around the world helping exorcisms everywhere right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then when victor and the west family are like hey we have an exorcist problem and doubt is like you know you should look up chris mcneil and they're like who is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I've never Mr. Fielding, do you not know who Chris McNeil <laughs> right, is? Right, right. So even if he's not a fan of movies or something. Yeah. Right. Like they have to show him like a 90s infomercial of Chris McNeil's exorcism system, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is just just bonkers <laughs> that they have to do that. <laughs> just just insane that they would that that that, that this world exists. So so Victor who has You know who could this, really help you out? Uh-huh. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> Steven who? (laughs) Who Spielberg? Mm -hmm. What? Or you know, you know, it's like um, the trouble when I make hamburgers at home is that they kind of cook in their own grease and they don't Uh cook evenly on both sides. Uh You know who you should go to is George Foreman. (laughs) 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 Go, who's George Foreman? (laughs) Oh, he's made some kind of a grill. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only thing he's known for. The only thing he's known for. Right, right, right. Yeah, that that is that is that it makes the movie really unfathomable for me in the second half of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. before I was like, ah, oh, this is fine. Yeah. But yeah, Keenan, I think you and I agree, right? Like you and I have spent a lot of time with 1973 Ellen Burstyn mm-hmm. as 1973 Chris McNeil, mm-hmm. right? And I think we both agree that this Chris McNeil in this movie, in Believer, is a different character. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag I'm, I'm, Chris. Hashtag not my credit as well. I, I will I will borrow that hashtag from you, right? I was listening to our older episodes, right? When we're with Chris in the hospital, when she's like up against Dr. Klein mm-hmm. or Dr. Tanny, or when she's fencing with Karis or Kinderman, and everything she does is informed by this inner strength, mm-hmm. this unconquerable will and this desire to help her daughter, even whilst being afraid and not knowing what to do. We 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 talked about how the parodies mm-hmm. seem to paint her as like this hyster is as as this hysterical broad, right? right. Um, 
because they're only focusing on those moments when she really lets go and how if you really look at the movie, she is constantly working hard to keep it all together. And it is this determination to keep it all together yeah. in the face of these men, in these these doctors, this priest, this detective, mm-hmm. right? That's the thing that that really makes Chris like this, this powerful character, right? Mm-hmm. This one, 50 years later, seems... Like you said, completely different, yeah. like a different character, right? And I know, I know, 50 years can change you, Absolutely. right? Like I, I just made a joke about like how much like we've changed in four months, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like we've changed in that we just got more silly, right? Like we, be- we became more comfortable with our irreverence, yeah. mm-hmm. right? right? We, we are, we are um, refined chuckleheads now, <laughs> right? right? We've got little monocles and everything. Um, but, but that's what I'm talking about, like refining or evolving of a character versus like the complete... 180 of a character, uh-huh, right. right? Like 1973 Chris McNeil gets in that car with her daughter and gets the hell out of Georgetown mm-hmm. and doesn't look back. She doesn't become spiritual. Right, if anything, absolutely. Right. If anything, she digs her heels in and allows that eh, there might be a mm-hmm. God, but the devil does more commercials to use her phrase, right. right? She isn't converted at the end. And I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. right? She has changed. She goes on an arc, uh-huh. but she she retains that Chris McNeil skepticism that hunting questioning questing part of her and yeah maybe maybe there is a god sure groovy far out i don't really care because i just got my daughter back Mm -hmm. and i'm busy spending uh every available moment working to repair that relationship so thanks god Mm -hmm. if you're out there but reagan comes first reagan still comes first that's what it's always been about Mm -hmm. is reagan speaking of which back to this chris mcneil who wrote a book (laughs) about the event Mm -hmm. and is estranged from her daughter yeah. what mm-hmm. this is this is the chris mcneil who gave up directing her first film in the book to stay home with her daughter this is the chris mcneil who did absolutely everything to keep certain details of reagan's illness a secret mm-hmm. specifically how she might have killed her best friend burke dennings right she is she is being an accomplice to his murder for her daughter mm-hmm. then now she write a she wrote a <laughs> she, i can't even speak <laughs> She wrote a tell she all. Writes, she wrote. She wrote a book. Yeah, I do like the version of Chris that got really close to saying these things to Damien, and that he intuited about her. Right about mm-hmm. that. Sometimes she wonders about whether the abyss is really there or, or what you know. And then, right, and then uh, Damien dies, and mm-hmm. and Chris uh, doesn't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah, that's really that's real to me, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that she almost made a friend who almost made her question herself, and then he died, and now there's just things in front of her that she has to deal with instead, like making yes. sure that her daughter isn't um, doesn't go crazy. Yeah, because yeah. she's not going back to school the next day. Like, <laughs> and then <laughs> there's, Chris there's some healing. <laughs> Chris isn't like Scrooge, and she's like, oh, I realized that I need to be the the class mom and bake cookies right. and stuff, and like be nice to everybody, and that that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. No, 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 and certainly there, not airing her dirty laundry out there. No, there's there is there is work to be done. There is healing to be done. Mm-hmm. There is I see them doing like a requiem for a dream type thing mm-hmm. where they're like, okay, Willie and Carl, you you guys take a vacation. Me and Reagan are just gonna get on the road mm-hmm. and and find I don't know like God ourselves, whatever. We're just gonna get out there into you know the 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 American wilderness right. and just like figure shit out. You know. Chris is pretty uncomfortable. I mean, we haven't covered this in our minutes, but she is pretty uncomfortable that Reagan um, hugs Father Dyer in the way that she does. Like, like mm-hmm. Chris is, Chris is. You know, it's it, it's not stated anywhere, but she's right. kind of worried. It seems that like that Reagan might 
want to become religious after all. And that, that not just because of like Chris's pre-standing ideas about religion, but because it might open up this trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that there in the end of the movie? I mean, I, I'll have to, I'll have to go back yeah. and, and, you know, we'll, we'll definitely, that question will definitely come up yeah. when we get to that particular minute. But she's right? not like, oh, you know what I should do is become, um, become yeah. the spiritual godmother of everyone on the planet. Like more so than, than Reagan wanting it. Like, like Reagan doesn't want it, but she does. That is the question that people have had, uh, you know, that we don't have an answer for from Blumhouse and Universal and David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride, who wrote the movie, right? Like, why mm-hmm. is this movie focusing on Chris instead of Reagan? Like, like mm-hmm. imagine just as a thought experiment, if Reagan wrote this book mm-hmm. and became the spiritual godmother to everybody and, and learned exorcism, that mm-hmm. that's less hard to swallow, isn't it? It makes a little more sense, yeah, right? Yeah. And then And then Chris could retain the character of chris mcneil and it's it's like it's like you know no like let's forget all this let's put it behind us mm-hmm. right like that that type of thing mm-hmm. yeah that makes that makes sense to me actually actually keenan um you might want to get in touch with um <laughs> with bloomhouse and uh, you know i think my friend see my if we friend, can save this friend, ship uh, Car- uh, cameron said something like cameron balanfont who's a mm-hmm. brilliant guy when it comes to horror and, and genre films in general he's like yeah why isn't that mm-hmm. why that sounds like reagan it sounds like you're describing reagan yeah yeah <sighs> okay, so yeah, now now Keenan, let's get to it because I think you wanted to talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. So, how do you feel about this this new Chris McNeil um, hashtag not my Chris um, <laughs> coming in there and doing the first exorcism? Is that it? Is Chris McNeil the exorcist? It seems like she is. Uh, the trouble the trouble is the the first half of the movie I think is about intelligent people with real points of view. And mm. then the second half, especially with Chris going in as an 80-year-old woman to a house she's never mm. been in, and then right. her her partner, Victor, leaves her alone to go deal with the um, the traumatized family in the kitchen, and then Chris right. does what stupid horror movie characters do and goes mm. upstairs alone as an 80-year-old woman, um, sees the devil in the bed, and then does this mm-hmm. exorcism on her own. She she, um, she reads part of the uh, the rite of exorcism, or sort of has it rehearsed, I suppose, and says it out loud. Yeah. But, but I mean, like, I was listening to that. Yeah. What, what is it? Hang on, hang on. I have that written oh, down, because do. I got to... Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's like, what is it? It's an interesting reveal. Oh, no, no. That's up farther, farther, farther. Um... Okay, yeah, yeah. She knows who I am, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I know who you are, and you know who I am. We've met before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but but no, if it's if it's Lamash too, <laughs> then you don't, they lady. Before, right? uh, maybe, okay, you know, but 50 anyway, years, no. fifty years ago. I mean in fifty years, Chris might have learned who Lamash too is. This version, <laughs> this version who like go went and like studied religion and became like an sure. unofficial PhD of theological studies and like knows all of it, right? Like she mm-hmm, might know mm-hmm. who Lamash too is, I suppose. Sure, sure. And that like we've met before. It's like maybe she maybe she she called up Lamash too one just like, hey, so your 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 ex husband was was bothering me fifty years ago. So yeah. So yeah. we're like we're like pals, I would imagine. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Pazuzu, am I right? Jeez. So it like, so it's it's But wait, wait, okay, I, I found it. I found oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so so yeah, Keenan, you were saying like she does she does like part of the exorcism. Mm-hmm. She says, in the name of all holy beings. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's not doing the exorcism. Mm-hmm. She's doing like a thing that she like put together. It's right. like, in the name of all generic, mm-hmm. like holy entities. Right. Like she's she's being as generic as possible, which <laughs> that, okay, that makes me wonder. Because, you know, we, we know that that Ellen Burstyn in real life mm-hmm. is more of a, like, like she's, she, she has declared herself like a, a universalist, right? Uh, I don't know if she used that language, but yes, she talks about all faiths being, um, having validity to them and uh, something similar to wh- how the Baha'is speak, right? I don't know how she okay. personally identifies, but yeah, about how they all have some wisdom to teach us, et cetera. 
How much of Chris McNeil's dialogue do you think was informed by that? Was like conditional, like I'll only do it if I'm not actually doing a Catholic exorcism. I want to do this thing, this know. all holy being. I mean, you know, Ellen Burson, even though she's she's in her elder years, she's still a a tip top actor and you know gets mm. Emmy nominations every couple of years. And, yeah. uh, and she plays she plays alcoholic mother. She plays uh, you know um, she plays atheist. She plays all sorts of you know terrible people. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why why she is like. Um, everybody's pal in this version and Hmm. (laughs) non-offensive right like like uh not taking a side in this yeah yeah she needs to be abrasive she needs to be like she needs to like like make everybody like like straighten up you know (laughs) yeah and then unfortunately they they make her do things that the audience knows are wrong to do like to go up into that that bedroom by herself say part of an exorcism and then be like okay that that solves that um -hmm. you know so she's, she's an expert in exorcism she should know that like our movie version from 1973 is an abridged version of what real exorcism is like right. <laughs> and that it takes days and weeks or maybe even months or years to do an exorcism. And she like mm-hmm. says it once to Angela and like part of a prayer to Angela and is like, mm-hmm. well, that's all done here. And she kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, smacks her hands, clears the dirt off mm-hmm. her hands and then uh, props her eyelids open. Uh, <laughs> 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 like I'm comfortable here. <laughs> yep. 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 This I like I get the sense that this Chris McNeil would not have survived yes. the original movie. Right, absolutely. This Chris McNeil would would already be blind from the first movie. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. Hey, there's a bloody crucifix. There's a callback right there. <laughs> yeah, they make her do things that are that I can't identify with. I don't know if anyone in the audience can identify with. And um yeah, she's pretty disposable of, of a character when you do that to her. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. Okay. So, so actually, Keenan, you said something early on in our show. You, you had said that Marin is our hero mm-hmm. and Chris and Karis are our protagonists. Yeah. I would, I was saying that like, um, Chris could be our main character who we sort of like mm-hmm. see the world through and Karis could be our protagonist who moves things forward. Yeah. That we can, we can separate those three ideas, those three different mantles for characters. Yeah. Oftentimes they're one person, obviously like Indiana Jones. Right. We could separate them. Yeah. And, and like when you said that, I was like, oh wow, that's, that's a really interesting, like it's interesting that we can have a hero mm-hmm. who is not the main protagonist. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's a really sophisticated and nuanced bit of storytelling mm-hmm. where like, yes, where we have this knight in shining armor mm-hmm. and we follow him for a bit in the beginning and, and he's our hero, but he's not our main character mm-hmm. and he's not our protagonist, right? Our main character and our protagonist role is like split between uh, Karis and mm-hmm. Chris, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like this. It's like this uh, Trinity thing we got going on here, yeah. right? Nah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like this movie isn't subtle enough to see those as different things, mm-hmm. right? Like hero, protagonist, main character, right? Like Chris McNeil is the hero. She's the exorcist for a yep. bit, and then the ball is passed to somebody else. Who? <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Everybody. Kind of endowed sometimes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kind like the very good word. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But no, okay, okay. So, so we we kind of answered the question of who is the exorcist, right? Turns out it's everyone. It's everyone in the audience. Great. Great. Yay. It's every it's all it's of all you're all you. the ex- The exorcist is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> okay, so Keenan, who is the believer? Whose faith is being tested in this thing? Like who starts out on one side of the fence yeah. and ends up on the other side by the the dad? I Leslie Odom Jr.? So, yes, I believe so. 
Okay. He has to I, pray at the uh, during the climax. And you're like, you too, he, Victor. Yay, yay, yay. He looks like he's so fucking pissed off <laughs> that he's saying the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, I. So I, firstly, I, I never got the sense mm-hmm. that that like of of what he was before. That, yeah. Like, was he spiritual? Was he an atheist? Was he like you know? There was never a moment in the story where I was like, oh. Now he believes. Now he is the believer. That's fair. So, like, unlike in 1973, where we have an atheist who uh-huh. is, there's no way not to read the movie that Chris is an atheist, right? right? And it's very explicit about She's that. He's yelling about a crucifix, like, yeah. right? It's open to that. Uh, it's open to having a main character who is an atheist. Maybe in 2023, that's kind of ickier, right? Mm. We don't want that, and we have to say that maybe he's an agnostic, but maybe, right? 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 Yeah, yeah. That he's, yeah. That that that's that's harder for our box office centric movies to say, like, oh, atheism is a legitimate faith because there are obviously people who are very vocal in america today who don't believe that right yeah i'm sorry not that atheism is a, is a faith but you know what i'm saying right, right. yeah i see yeah, i see yeah, what you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and keenan we joke about mm-hmm. how dumb and how dense our mm-hmm. 1973 doctors are right mm-hmm. dr klein and dr tanny and dr Beringer and foundation and foundation <laughs> right like these men mm-hmm. these doctors how can they not see what we know is really right. going on these dumb doctors right and to an extent we do the same thing with uh, with karis we're like come right. on buddy you're having a, a bedside conversation mm-hmm. with captain howdy like how do you not see that right, right. but our characters from the first movie are being dumb mm-hmm. in in a smart way if that makes any sense mm-hmm. like like they live in a world where demonic possession is no longer a thing it just doesn't right. happen anymore mrs mcneil right mm-hmm. like that's the thrust of the movie is bringing us with them on this journey into belief right that uh-huh. that's what that's what grounds the first movie in the real world in our world right that's mm-hmm. why we have all these um painful medical procedures right um and uh, just a just a little side thing right we have we have lots of um painful intrusive embarrassing medical procedures and we have and we do have doctors and and uh, uh scientists in and, this uh, believer movie. in this in this believer movie and they it are is again like one of the most effective sequences in our movie is mm-hmm. this is this um back and forth montage between these two girls going through really invasive awful questions about whether they've been raped in yeah. the woods like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very strong very yeah. strong stuff mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and that's yeah that's the first half of that movie right 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 um, um, yeah, and and we there's a reason we have those, right? Because mm-hmm. that is what you do in real life, right? Like Absolutely. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care how religious you are. Mm-hmm. You would go to the doctor first. You would not do what this lady does, this mother of one of the little girls, Catherine, right? Mm-hmm. And and walk out of that uh, place and go, well, this is obviously a demon. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh yeah, and oh yeah, she references the harrowing of hell, right? Yeah, right, but like the little girl's uh, feet are burned because the I, like, but that's and that's another bingo chip for my you know for for my little card, right? right? Harrowing of hell, yeah, yeah. But like, no, like, how does Leslie Odom Jr.'s character not go? Ah, well, I see the problem now. You're crazy, and mm-hmm. your daughter's probably crazy, <laughs> and me and my daughter need to get the hell away from you because what's mm-hmm. happening with my daughter right now is probably related to the fucking nutso thing that just came out of your face hole. <laughs> yeah, I should never let our daughters be friends because I see how you're raising. Them. Yeah, right. Like that's like, good. That's interesting stuff. I think I think that's a little there, but maybe not as. Much. Yeah, the way you're pitching it out, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice if it were if it were really there. Like he's he's skeptical, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know about this, <laughs> but he's but he's not. You know what he's not? Mm-hmm. He's not alarmed. Right. Like Keenan, like, okay, okay, Keenan, neither of us have kids, right? Mm-hmm, but, yeah. but imagine if you allowed one of your cats to go on a play date <laughs> with another cat. Oh, caramel. <laughs> from another, from, with another cat daddy, right? Uh, right. And you went to pick your cat up, and uh-huh. both cats are now sick. 
And the other cat daddy says, it's the work of a demon. How do you not, (laughs) how do you not immediately blame him? No, no, he's like, no, you don't understand. This is the work of Meophistopheles. Like, you'd be like, very good, very good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But no, you'd be like, like you, you, you put your 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 loved one or your pet or your child in the care of somebody else, somebody else's with along with somebody else's pet or somebody else's child, and then you go and you get them, and both of them are sick, and this this caretaker is talking about a fucking demon, and and you're like, cover Caramel's little pointy ears. It was like, you stay the hell away from I me. I would call the cat. police. <laughs> right. I'd be like, whatever is wrong with my my kid or my cat or whatever <laughs> is your fault. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be it. That's good. <laughs> my God, I'm getting mad. Just I don't even have kids. I'm getting mad. Right. I'm just getting mad. Huh. See, I think that's very interesting stuff. So I, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. It would be nice if that were more what the movie was about. Because mm-hmm. that's an interesting thing that that happens to people in America now because there are people who literally think that there are demons yes. as we talked about with Alex Bledsoe right. like the anything that's a little evil mm-hmm. is or anything that's a little bit bad is evil right, and right. like the yeah so that'd be very interesting right, right? and like, as a and, result and it turns out in that version of the movie that they're right mm-hmm. but of course you don't we wouldn't admit that right we wouldn't ever jump to that unless you were forced to through right. the course of a movie this right. this lady had a lucky fucking guess <laughs> she she forest gumped her way into finding the right answer. Right. Uh-huh. It's like even Lamashtu is like, you're an idiot, but you're right, but you're just lucky. Right. <laughs> right. That's your answer for everything. That's your yeah. answer for why the pizza was cold at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> is that there's a demon here. <laughs> why why the cable company won't carry ESPN this quarter and you're gonna miss the World Series, right? That's because if it's a demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> One of the buttons falls out of your favorite sweater. <clears throat> Right. That's the button demon. It's the sixth button. <laughs> I'm telling you, these demons. Yeah. Uh, but no, like, like that's just like, and again, I like, I know I'm, I'm kind of like being hypocritical because we joke mm-hmm. about that's the trope of horror movies mm-hmm. is these people they're they're doing dumb things they don't realize what the true horror is like mm-hmm. like we know we're the audience we know that it's a demon we know that it's Michael Myers we know that it's a ghost yeah. we know that it's a vampire whatever right but it just seeing it the other way mm-hmm. and this is the first time i've seen it where like they just like immediately jump to demon now i'm right. like oh now i understand why you need that time and that disbelief <laughs> because otherwise you look like a crazy person yeah so in the 1973 exorcist i think part of what you're saying is that, like these people exist in our real world mm-hmm. and in believer they don't they exist in a movie world yeah right? yeah yeah they exist in a world where the exorcist was a movie and a phenomenon everyone understands what the exorcism is like you know who you should talk to hmm Ellen Burstyn, she played Chris McNeil in that 1973 movie, The Exorcist. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I've never heard of this. <laughs> the Exorcist, what is that? I don't <laughs> They do that they do that thing with zombie movies where they don't call them zombies, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, your girl is possessed by a a, a hell fiend. <laughs> it's a ghoul, it's a ghoul. By by goblin, by a by a bedevil. <laughs> I think there's also a missed opportunity. Uh, okay, so they have two two girls. I've heard some people complain about that, right? Like it's trying to one up. Oh, you know, in the first one there was one. Yeah, why? Girl, here's a, a two. You know, I think if it were a better movie, we would have accepted that. That okay, there's okay. two of them in this time. You know, sure. Um, 
but there is this this idea that Lamashu or whoever this demon is mm-hmm. um, has that I think is way too late where she says you have to choose one of them. That's the only reason I can think of it being two. But like, yeah, you're right. No, it's that's like a surprise at the end. It's that like, is mm-hmm. a great midpoint sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like, like now, now the family has to sort of think about that for weeks and have mm-hmm. this conversation about, you know, who is more worthy there, you know, like, and um, I think that's worthy of drama, right? So like yeah. Miranda the, and Victor, like the two more reasonable parents from either side of it, right? And they're like talking about this, like, oh, we can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as it turns out in the movie, right, um, Mr. West uh, mm-hmm. gets, freaks out, which yeah. is a reasonable explanation to do yeah. when he picks his daughter, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that's, um, you can't really get into the heart of those, that really kind of deep question in the in the course of like an action sequence, which is what our climax is, right? Right, and you can't be you can't be like disappointed in Mr. West. Is that his name, Mr. West? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Tony West. Okay, side, yeah. yeah. So 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 you can't you can't be disappointed in Tony. It's like oh Tony, I followed you throughout this whole movie, and I mm-hmm. like I grew with you, and right. and this is just this is so unlike you. This is this is a weak moment in your character. No, it's not because yeah. I don't know anything about you. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. To like have his wife see that, like like like. Yeah, like just for for Mrs. West to be like embarrassed and apologetic to Victor that her husband made the decision again without her, right, to mm-hmm. choose her daughter. That's interesting stuff potentially, but yeah. it is so condensed there at the end, right? And we have so many goddamn characters, mm-hmm. right, at the end there, and um, like the priest shows up and oh, and then we kill him instantly. And yeah, it's like it's just way too many people around mm-hmm. there, um, you know, to have like three different uh, or four if you ca- if you count the priest. Yeah. <laughs> There's four different faith leaders in the room. Yeah. Plus Ann Dowd, plus the three parents, plus the two little girls. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just a mess. Um, yeah. It's just too. I mean, there's a reason why um, in our in our movie, yeah, we have we have Willie and Carl and Sharon, but they're not there all the time. No, they're not. <laughs> we don't need them. We don't need to be thinking about them all. The, they, they get to be interesting characters for the moments when we need them, mm-hmm. and not feel like when we have like an eight shot of eight different characters in the room that um that some people are there just because they're there when they need to be and they right. do everything they can to like you know they're changing reagan's bedding and they're right. they're comforting her and they're tending to her and they're being and family to her chris and, yeah, and comforting yeah. chris and then when you know our two boys the priests mm-hmm. need to do their job they get right. the fuck out of that room so they can do their job this is you know what this is like this mm-hmm. is this is this is the sequel the requel to to a hospital drama mm-hmm. where Reagan had to get surgery from these two like world famous surgeons mm-hmm. and 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 everybody had to you know like leave the operating room for while these two surgeons you know did their thing mm-hmm. but now in this requel it's like well i read a couple of you know pages of this medical book like let me let me give me a scalpel let me no, do you know i saw the movie i saw the, <laughs> I saw the movie yes. so let me do this yeah i saw the 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 surgeon <laughs> I can be the, the the surgeon, but you know I have yeah I you know um this happens you talk, you talked about this being the Avengers and and you know there are some shots in Avengers movies where it's like I I guess I I need to be keeping track of what Wasp feels like right now <laughs> and what and what Korg feels like right now and mm-hmm. like like it's just too many characters off yeah of um and I've also had this problem with um, Toy Story four which is a movie that some people like but mm-hmm. there are like shots of like twenty characters at once yeah. because they can't leave anybody behind our beloved characters and right. it's like well shouldn't we really be thinking about Woody and Buzz and maybe one other character right. like in this room like do we really need to think about Trixie and uh, uh, Mr Pricklepants mm-hmm. and uh, the Potato Heads and these characters that are wonderful characters on their own right yeah. in scenes where they actually have something to do but this mm-hmm. is this is like yeah this is is like a collage or a where's waldo shot over right all this stuff going on and you know that's very difficult I'm, I'm not sure what it is about our current culture that makes us feel compelled to to have so many characters in one scene and they're all important which makes it feel like like very few of them right this should really be about 
these three parents. Right. And, and maybe Anne Dowd. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and by having all of them be important, right. I don't care about any of them. Yeah. Like, none of them are important. And that's the, like, isn't that, movie, isn't that your whole point? You're trying to say, like, like all of these religions matter? Like, and that's, that's like, it's it's Anne Dowd and it's uh, uh, Chris McNeil. <laughs> It's Anne Dowd and it's Ellen Burstyn. There we go. Right. Um, and they're, they're both making this speech about, you know, it's like, hey, religion, it, you know, it's it's actually about the people, all religion. And they keep on saying, like, I, I, and I clocked it. Like, mm-hmm. they said, all religions all over the world. And while they were saying all religions all over the world, we got mm-hmm. a Catholic mass and a mm-hmm. Protestant mass. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the yeah. problem? All yeah, religions so, yeah, all over the world, Catholics and Protestants. The that, Christian that, religions from North America. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and we got and we got this one other one. Did they even say like the name of 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 the other one? I don't believe so. Like the Doctor Beehive is yeah. uh, is using. No, I don't believe so. I want to learn more that about would, that one. That might limit. Uh... Right, right, right. Exactly. I mean, so the movie starts in Haiti. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. We have a character who dies in an earthquake. Very interesting. Really, really scary stuff. Actually, yeah, yeah. Of just like just Which like they what used a real like that was the real historical earthquake. By the way, I mean it wasn't yeah. like in the film, but like right. I, and and using that like for you know like as a like a moving point for your story is eh, well, but you know, but I was I was moved by it. Like I know what you're okay. saying intellectually, right? It's like oh, kind of you know, but I was moved by it. And then mm-hmm. yeah, if it were the exorcism of that religion from Haiti, because our yeah. our demon is a is a Haitian hoodoo or voodoo demon, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's something to make a movie about. Yeah, give me that. You know, uh, David Gordon Green. Um, get rid of this. Get okay. You're you're, you're kind of like putting the the Catholics on the sidelines. Get them. Just get them all the way out. Right. <laughs> get Chris McNeil out. Yeah. Get get Reagan. Get all of them out. Get get yeah. this Protestant guy. This the Protestant guy mm-hmm. or guys. There's two of them, right? There's two of them. <laughs> Got more screen time than than this uh, this other religion. Give right. me just give me just a movie with that one. Yeah. I would love that. You know. So I don't know if you've heard some of the fall, fallout from the movie. So the movie has not done well critically. It has done mm. fine box office wise. Yeah, um, yeah. They had Universal spent four hundred million dollars to get the rights to the exercise. Right. That's part of movies. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but that doesn't include the production of the movie itself. So Precisely. Yeah. The movie costs about 30 million dollars so far. It's made 130 million dollars. That's fine. So mm-hmm. like that's, mm-hmm. you know, they were hoping for the kind of hit that David Gordon Green and Jason Blum had with their previous uh, requel, which was Halloween. Right. Which made way, way more money. But in terms of like this movie making money, it's done its job, but it didn't it's not going to recap its 400 million dollar right. um, investment, which is for the three movies, plus the rights to use the exorcist name and characters at the theme parks. at Universal. Right. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, they they've said uh, you know through back channels they haven't admitted to this in the press, but that they're gonna that they're looking really hard at their next scripts because they have two more Exorcist movies, um, you know, presumably about Reagan, um, you know, uh, yeah. uh, out there. Oh yeah, folks. I mean, you know, it. yeah, spoiler wall is still up. Uh, Reagan shows up at the end. <laughs> yeah. No. He didn't. He didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> By that point, I was pretty tired of the movie. So, but yeah, so they are open to retooling, and I'm sure that you know I I respect. Uh, try to respect filmmakers i, I normally don't uh, you know complain about movies um out there in the world you know? mm-hmm. but uh that feels like it's part of our job to talk about where we follow about this and uh, yeah. so i hope it wasn't too negative and but i do yeah. know that you know david gordon green and dan mcbride and jason blum they are trying to also feel out what fans think about these things so they seem to actually care about that okay well yeah okay i will i will be i will remain hopeful right i mean of course You're, i'm gonna, gonna see remain a believer i'm gonna i'm gonna be a believer right <laughs> the next one's called deceiver Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm, okay. So, what do you think the third one's going to be? Believer, deceiver. Um. Um. Uh. Retriever. That's and what it's, I was and it's thinking. Be, 
and it's going to be all about a dog. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's going to be. It's going to be. Ellen Burstyn's like, there's no rules saying a dog (laughs) can't perform an exorcism. Lester, I love you. We're back, baby. Um, I think that's a great place to end. I don't yeah. know if anything else here. <sighs> but yeah, um, yeah, folks, I hope we didn't, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't rain all over everybody's parade. Like, that's not what we're here to do. Um, and, uh, and we are so happy to be, to be back. And now we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about a movie that I love, right? Mm-hmm. The 1973 Exorcist. That is, I'm, I'm so glad to, um, to be, to be, you know, up and running again and, and talking about that movie. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. All right. But for now, um, that is that is all of my notes on Believer. Keenan, do you got anything else? Is there anything else we missed? No, I'm just looking forward to hearing what our listeners thought about the movie, whether they loved it or, or didn't. I'm, I'm just super excited to be able to hear from them. Yes, absolutely, guys. Yeah, like write in um, theexorcistminute at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of uh, The Exorcist Believer. Who do you think was The Exorcist? Who do you think was The Believer? Um, but yeah. Um, Who did you think was Reagan? <laughs> <laughs> well folks this has been another excellent exorcist minute i have been lesser ryan clark you can reach me on all the socials as lesser ryan clark and i've been keenan diaz you can find me on instagram and letterbox as howdy keenan yes we got our listener group compelling conversations go check that out on facebook and request to join and we'll let you in here with us thank you so much to everybody who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media and a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on itunes or spotify or wherever you listen to our show we really appreciate it that's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you and and folks, we want to say thank you so much for all of those people who stuck with us uh, during the strike, even though we weren't talking about the movie at that time. Um, we are so glad to be back. We are so glad um, that SAG-AFTRA and the WGA have gotten a fair deal and that they're back to work, uh, bringing us great stories. And uh, we are going to be uh, bringing you um, our regularly uh, scheduled programming as well. Um, is that what it is? Regularly scheduled? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so so we're really, really happy um, that if you did stick with us, thanks so much. Um, and yeah, we just wanted to um, express our appreciation for all you guys out there uh, listening to us and, uh, and, and, and participating in uh, this podcast as it goes. All right, Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Okay. Oh, this is, oh, it's, it's a new one. We, <laughs> we got to think of something. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Oh, shoot. Um, folks. Until next time, the power of the exorcist retriever compels you. I think I've lost my bone, Tom. <laughs> Father Karras, do you do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go outside? Do you want a treat? Your mother chews doggy toys in hell. <laughs> How have we not done this? I don't know. Your mother's in here, Karis, but she wants to go out. Your mother's out now, Karis. You want to come in? Mother, your mother, your mother wants to come in. <laughs> <laughs> your mother wants to go out again. <laughs>
<laughs> Marin, Marin's downstairs and, you know, he's, he's outside the house, you know, that iconic, you know, thing with the light, you know, falling mm-hmm. on his silhouette, right? Mm-hmm. And he rings the doorbell and inside you just hear, <laughs> instead of her head going around, it just like she's, she's chasing her tail. It's just like, <laughs> Right. And of course, uh, of course, Reagan pisses on the rug in every scene. (laughs) That's actually like par for the course. That's like, 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 oh, "Oh, she does that. To make it creepier, it would have to be like they're in the bathroom for some reason. Mm -hmm. And and Reagan, as the the golden retriever, like gets up onto the toilet. (laughs) And then then uses the toilet like a human being. (laughs) Reagan. And then Chris carries her. It's like, she's been sick. She's been. <laughs> Father Dyer's just like, that's actually really impressive. I... <laughs> Father Dyer, he didn't tell you about my party or where my dog sat on the toilet like a human being. <laughs> you see this? Okay, this is this is the you know this is downstairs in the um <clears throat> in the basement. This is Karis and uh, and Chris. It's like, mm-hmm. you see this tennis ball? I pretended to throw it, and Reagan looked at me. <laughs> but it was in okay. my hand the whole time. <laughs> I didn't actually throw it at all. <laughs> you like assholes, Father? <laughs> Me and Mrs. K, we get we get all the best asses. <laughs> oh, and it works because he's a basset hound. <laughs> right, he's already a basset hound. And you know, in, in the opening scene, instead of those dogs fighting, it's it's just people, you know, just fist fighting in the street. And the dogs are looking. It's like that's that's very weird. That's... Yeah. Oh, like, um, mm. And then in uh, Pazuzu's Grant statue that Marin is looking at, uh-huh. it's all it's all it's all just clay colored except for its phallus is red. <laughs> <laughs> it's bright red. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it looks like Scooby-Doo, like (laughs) with one hand up and one, you know. That's right. It's little thoughts. Okay. Uh, and oh, and, and and you know, he's 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 digging, you know, in in the in the tombs, Mm -hmm. and he and he unearths. A dog collar instead of a, a medallion. <laughs> That's right. It's a little SB Scooby Doo. <sighs> if, 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 if Reagan doesn't get better, we're going to have to take her to the pound. <laughs> Behringer Pound and Foundation. Behringer pound and Foundation. <laughs> oh, man. And that's that you know the the, the iconic bed scene, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of you know be like strapped to the bed, she's got a muzzle on, right? <laughs> or no, no, she's got that cone. That oh, weird... right, exactly. She's got the cone. <laughs> you can loosen these straps for me. You take off this cone. I, I, I really got a scratch. 